Okay, so yeah, and I was just drinking by the lake, and this guy was telling me about how he was hunting through the woods, and all of a sudden he came out into a clearing, and it was just boom, dead grass everywhere, and a mutilated deer carcass what? perched atop atop the grass what that had you, been cut from the clear clearing. What are you talking about? Uh, nothing that's relevant to the story. What did this JP? Where did Hello this and from? welcome, JP. To spooky you. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hello. I'm JP. I'm Allie. And we're this... spooky you. Oh, really? You we're just spooky... had to cut me off there? Spooky you. We're spooky you. I, I'm sorry. I still have to assert my dominance as your older sister. So um, we're spooky you. Ju- Hi. You are lucky <laughs> that I am all the way across the country. Yes. Um, as we say in the studio, you outrank me in the belt color, but I outrank you in life. So uh, with that, we are spooky you. We t- <laughs> The face you're giving me. We've uh, said we that t- three times already. Come on. Because I think it's hilarious. We are spooky you. We talk all things dark, macabre, history, uh, true crime, paranormal. Just if it's weird and dark and spooky and weird, we like it. If it goes well with uh, pumpkin spice, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, we're recording this way before it's coming out, but pumpkin spice lattes did come out, and I did explain to our parents that spooky season begins when Starbucks tells us it begins. So uh, that is capitalism. That is corporate America. Uh, that is spooky bitch. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I have not gotten a PSL yet. Normally, I get it on the day, but I had karate that night, and like pumpkin spice latte plus doing wheel kicks not a good combination so i I, you know that yes because i've totally have had a psl and done a wheel kick like in order totally totally like it's sip kick sip kick spinning hook same thing yeah that's how i do my morning routine (laughs) now first of all i think we should probably address something here yeah we probably should address the uh giant moose in the room there's no moose here really no, because Sitka, Alaska, where I currently am stationed for AmeriCorps, has no moose, but we have plenty of bear. Do they have meese? Like multiple mooses? Meese? Since we don't have one, <laughs> I'm going to say no. What would it take to get a moose there? A boat. A moat? Okay. Wait, a, a boat? A boat. A yes. boat or a moat? Well, technically, you do have a moat around where you live because you live on an island now. Oh, my God. You suck at geography. (laughs) That is true. But yes, JP, you are in Alaska, and this is the first time we are recording virtually. So uh, be kind in the reviews. And if you don't like it, uh, we are mildly scary high school. Um, That's it. I give up. I'm not funny. Good night. Okay. What are we doing? JP, I don't have notes, so I'm like freaking out. Like, what are we doing? Okay. So this is my turn to take over the show. We did yours with Midnight Man. Yes, we, we did. And we all know and how it that was, went. Yeah, it was incredible. It was amazing. It was the best show ever. I still have questions. I don't care. I still wake up in the middle of the night with questions. As you should. About how that game works. Well, if you play the game, then the Midnight Man could answer your questions. But if you decide you don't want to play the game, that's just a smart choice. So the questions will go unanswered. Hey, I got enough to do here that I need to worry that, you know, I need to worry about with the Midnight Man, how that game works. Well, yeah. And I guess, can you even play the Midnight Game? Because it's like sunny all the time right now. No, it's not going to be soon, but it gets dark at 830 here. So it's sunny. Do you know where I am? Yeah, you're in Alaska. Like, specifically. Alaska's very big. You're on an island. You do know. Like, it's very important to me that you know, at least geographically, where I am. I am... I understand that Alaska is very large, and I understand that you're on an island. But not the islands that you could see Russia from. The islands that are, like, in Canada. I swear to God, I have a... I'm going to express (laughs) deliver a knuckle sandwich to you. Well... That's going to take a while and two plane rides and a couple thousand dollars because... That's why I said express delivered. Oh. You know, we were actually talking about mailing a banana cake out to you. Uh, But you don't even like banana cake, which is hilarious. No, I eat it. I eat it. Yeah, that means you don't like it, but you tolerate it because it's there. Okay, so anyway. so just tell me about... What are we talking about? 
We are talking about the story of the ghost in the darkness. Okay. <laughs> AKA so without it, the lions of Salvo. Okay, so without any context, you saying the ghost in the darkness, in my mind, I say, well, duh, that makes sense. Ghosts and darkness go hand in hand. But then you say the lion of Salvo, and I'm thinking like, all right, we've got some like lion witch in the wardrobe shit going on here. Like Harry Potter motherfucker is happening. Like what? Like what? Game of Thrones. How about I just get started? We've we've already gone way off the rails, so let's just get started. Okay, so here. what else is new with this fucking podcast? Keep going, JP. Just fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Our story begins in the year eighteen ninety eight. Nations Good in year. Europe. Yeah, you you have no idea what happened that year, do you? I'm assuming it's a good year. 1898, it's a good year. Okay, and the <laughs> nations of Europe are basically <laughs> in a race to control the African continent. Okay. Uh, to, you know, take advantage of its natural resources and control things because that's what empires do at this time. Oh. You know, all, all good things, all good yeah. things. No, no, they were not. When you say natural resources, um, never mind. Keep going. Nope. No, this is well past that time. Okay. Oh, okay. We're, okay, we're, past, okay. we're well past that. Yeah. We're, we already know everyone's an asshole. Okay. Okay. So, and our story takes place with the British in an attempt to further spread British control in North Africa. The British are planning on constructing a railway, which will run from Lake Victoria to modern day Mombasa. Uh, yeah an area i know very well okay well you know what <laughs> this is this is why you should crack a book every now and then i do crack a book just maybe if you were better geography, geography you know you could f- know where i am and know where mumbasa and kenya are so you are what i'm assuming right now based on this story and based on what you've told me is your current location is like a hop, skip, and a jump away from Mombasa and Kenya. And I would assume I'm accurate because I'm always right. So go ahead and continue because we don't need to correct me because I'm right. Oh, Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this does two major things. One, it shortens the trade route between Great Britain and India where uh, they still hold strong control over. Uh, it also projects British influence all along the the rail line. Okay. Now, the plan was to build it along a centuries-old Arab slave caravan route. This is kind of ironic because at the time, the British were trying to stop slavery. Good for them. And I have nothing else to say to them Okay. at the time. Well, at one point, now the construction is going along, and at one point, it has to cross over a river that bears the name of the region, Salvo, which in the Akamba language means a place of slaughter. So, oh. oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So they were like setting themselves up for failure here. Uh, I mean, I just let's just keep going. I'll explain a little later. Now, this is an area approximately the size of Massachusetts, and it's one of the harshest terrains in Central Africa. Now, I know I said North Africa earlier, but it's like North Central. Well, Central. Well, no, you did say that they were building um, a train that was like going through Africa. So no, no, no. You, you were. Yeah, yeah. Central Africa. Like India to Africa. Yeah, you kind of have to cross through Central to get to North. That I, mm. <laughs> that okay. I know about geography. Smart one right here. Oh, God. Well, I'm glad that's the baseline for this podcast. Yeah. It's a good thing yeah. we didn't name ourselves one... after an academic institution. And I'm getting a master's degree. <laughs> oh, God. We're so fucked as a nation. And- Listen, (laughs) that's pretty accurate. (laughs) Now, this area of Salvo, think kind of like a barren grassland, you know, that brownish uh, vegetation with like sporadic trees. You can almost kind of maybe think of like the Lion King a little bit. Yeah, I was just about to say it's basically the Lion King. Yeah, but it's a little bit more ominous. And oh, so the Lion King when Scar took over a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're in Scar's Wasteland. So now enter <laughs> so enter the main character of our story. Simba. Lieutenant Colonel <laughs> John Patterson. Okay, John. Uh, born in Ireland and served in the British Army. Uh, he was brought on by the Ugandan Railway Company, who was in charge of this uh, construction project, because basically it was well behind schedule and millions of dollars over budget. 
and the press. So, are you sure that this wasn't like an American project? Uh, considering <laughs> that it's run by the British for the British, I'd say no. Oh, okay. It just sounds really American. All right, continue, continue. So, it, yeah, it was pretty bad to the point where the press jokingly referred to the project as the Lunatic Express. <laughs> so his job was basically to oversee construction of the bridge over the river salvo and deal with all the issues and get the project back on track okay so let me just get this straight they brought in john our boy john yes to basically huh yes patterson yes john patterson so they brought in our boy john patterson to basically take this extremely over budget and off a uh, schedule project that is called like the Lunatic Express and try to kind of bring it back around and make it work over a river that was literally named Savage, right? No. Salvo. S- Salvo, which translates to a place of slaughter. Slaughter. Okay. So again, just setting him up for failure. And are we sure that this wasn't American? Are yes. Sure? Yes. Sure? I am absolutely positive. I've done a lot of research on this one. And it's one of my yes, favorite you have. Stories. You're very thorough with your research. So Patterson was pretty excited to take up the challenge, and his eagerness would not last very long because the next nine months would bring fear, dread, and a lot of death. Again, the river is named Slaughter. So let's get into it. <laughs> Are you done? We're not even... <laughs> it's just... Just keep going. Just, just, just uh, teach me things. Okay, just keep going. Okay. So Patterson arrived on the work site on December of 1898. When he first arrived, immediately a problem began to come up that people were reporting to him. And this was that uh, some of the coolies or Indian laborers who were working on the railroad were starting to disappear in the night. What? Now, initially, Patterson dismissed this because he was kind of thinking that the Indian laborers were either like killing people off or killing each other or walking off the work site. Uh, the That's reason very rude of him. Well, you have to remember this was like you know a pretty higher up, uh, educated white British man in Africa in the eighteen nineties with yeah, Indian they laborers. had a way of thinking that's just not. Yes. And Cute. <laughs> the idea was that the Indian workers would kill someone to, you know, take their pay. Because one thing to note is that obviously I said Indian, so none of the laborers are from Africa. So they don't know anything about, you know, living, surviving in the African bush. Oh. But the pay is a lot higher than anything that they'll make it back in India. So that's why so many of them have come to work on the railroad. Oh, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I, like talking from just a pure fact-based history standpoint, um, it, it makes sense. It's just I'm like looking back on just being like, oh God, yeah, it's dear Lord, it it's not great. But anyway, so yes, basically racism <laughs> sucks ass. Uh, <laughs> You're like history's not great, but let's keep going. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the story of every historian's life. Now. It was not until a few days later when one of the foremen named Singh disappeared. This was taken a little bit more seriously because Singh was a Zeke warrior and well-respected by all the laborers. So Patterson didn't really have the inkling that somebody would have, A, wanted to kill him, or B, really would have wanted to try to kill this man. Oh, he, like, knew what he was doing. Like, he knew his way around, like, a fist fight. Yes. Now, upon inspection of the tent where Singh was sleeping, Patterson found drag marks, blood, and lion prints. What? Worst of all, Singh was sleeping in a tent filled with a dozen men among other tents. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. He was sleeping in a tent... With a dozen men among other tents. Yes. Okay, okay. So there was like a group of tents, but then there was a, like a bunch of men in each of the tents. Yes. Keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. This was when Patterson realized the true nature of the threat. And that if Singh could be taken, no one was safe. Okay. 
So Singh was in a tent. Yes. And there was a bunch of other men in the tent. Yes. And something came in and was like, you, right there, that's the one. And dragged him out. And dragged it out. Yes. While he was sleeping? Or was no, he, he was like sleeping. dead at this point? No, he because was sleeping. the following morning, Patterson and another British officer tracked the lion into the bush for about several miles before finding what was left of Singh. What was left of Singh? Not much. Oh, no. Or just a bunch of bloody, mutilated corp. Enough that they knew it was Yeah, they could recognize his clothing and his attire and make out that it was him. And here was the worst part. The lion prints weren't very consistent in size. There were two lions. No. No. They were tag team in this bullshit? Oh, it gets worse. Or better. Depends on how you're looking at the story. Yeah, better... I was going to say, if you're in the position of the lions, it gets better. <laughs> so the night after Singh's death. What? Wait, hold on. I want to go back to Singh for a second. Well, we haven't really left Singh. So Singh didn't wake up. No. Like that man was like that sound of a sleeper that he didn't wake up and think, oh, no, something is grabbing my ankle right now. And I just hit my head off the floor after I fell out of a bed. Well, I mean, obviously, he let out a shout and started screaming once he realized he was being dragged. But that's the scary thing about what you'll find out is that they were very, these were highly efficient killers. And you got to think with lions, they are stealthy. They're in their element. This is the middle of the night. You're not going to hear these things coming. And that's going to become more apparent as we get into the story. So again, I will reiterate something that I have said time and time again, and this is probably only because I'm allergic to them, but all cats are assholes. And I think that it stems from this story. But please continue to affirm my point. How? You never heard this story before. I've heard enough to be able to assume that all cats are assholes. So go so ahead. Night after... Tell me I'm wrong. The night after... St- Review our podcast and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Sorry, JP. Keep going. Don't flip me off in the camera. The night after Singh's death, armed with a shotgun and rifle, Patterson situated himself in a tree near the site of the attack. While not a very experienced hunter, Patterson figured that the lions would likely attack kind of the more outskirts of the camp again, and particularly the same place where it found food previously, you know, as you would kind of expect an animal to do. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay. As the night wore on, though, Patterson accounted that he could hear the lions roar. As they approached the camp, almost as though they were announcing their arrival. At one point, he claimed they were so close he could hear the lions breathe. But in the darkness of the night, with a cloud cover, he couldn't make them out in the bush. Nope. 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 All cats are assholes. brought a horrible realization. JP, why? Not only did the... Why? They were behind him. Will you let me get to the story? Not only did the lions kill again... They attacked the center of the camp, passing hundreds of potential victims. Are you fucking kidding me? JP! What? What the fuck? What the fuck? JP, why would they do that? Why? Why would they do that? If you're flipping out now, you're not going to last through this story. I can promise you that. No, why would they? JP, okay, okay. How? These lions are serial killers. They are. Holy crap. They first of all, they have these lions have the confidence of a 20-something-year-old white man in college, okay? Like they they are bold. Oh fuck, you're actually pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> they are bold, they are brash, they don't care. They are just going after They went to the center of the camp. Are you kidding me? Holy crap. I bet I bet you. I bet you. Those lions saw Patterson in a tree and were like, hey, Jim, I'm going to fuck with this guy and climbed up in a tree and just sat behind and just like, I bet, I bet you, I bet you. And then they went back to their pride and they were like, Linda, guess what I did? Well, here's the thing. As far as they could tell, they didn't have a pride. These were two solitary males hunting together. They were men? Okay, because normally, like, I do know a little bit about lions, and I do know that it's normally the lionesses that hunt and bring the food in, but these were Working male as a lions. Pair, which is extremely unusual. 
Do you think they were lovers? Well, we'll get into the theories and speculations and the science and the research that has been done since this event, but let's continue with the story. The morning brought a horrible realization. Okay, so we already got through that. Uh, so basically, these lions were pretty clever. They weren't attacking the same place twice. And this pattern would continue on throughout Patterson's work. They would sneak into the camp, they'd grab a worker through the tent, and drag them off into the middle of the night as their cries echoed across the Sahara. So they would literally just go in, grab one person, and drag them off. And it would change tents up every night. Yep. Or was it every night, or did they like space it out? Did they space their attacks out like Ted Bundy? It wasn't every night. It would just be randomly. What kind of psycho sociopathic cats are living in this well, camp? I mean, not living, but living nearby. What? So what? Here's the, the hell. Other... So yes, here's the other problems that Patterson faced. Obviously, he had two very dangerous lions that were around his camp, but his camp consists of approximately 10,000 workers spread out over eight miles, and there was only a handful of rifles. So time and time again, when there was an attack, any help that they could provide by trying to kill these lions came too little too late. Oh, my God. And I bet you the lions knew that, too. They knew th they knew that. Again, these... Mm. They're frat boys. Okay, well. Praying on the week. That is the new take on the lines of Salvo I have never heard. <laughs> I'm probably yeah, right, Yeah, they too. were, uh, oh, shit. What, what fraternity would a line be in? It's, I think it depends yeah, on the school, man. that's true. Because let's be realistic. Your school, like, the, okay, so we'll use Delta Chi because I know that they were at your school and my school. The Delta Chi's at your school were very different from the Delta Chi's at my school. And we know true. that for a fact. So, anyway, continue. So, Patterson began to start taking precautions. He ordered the workers to condense into smaller camps and construct boma fences around the campsites. Construct what fences? Boma. Boma, okay. Fences made out of thorns of like local bushes, and they were in fact used by locals to keep lions out. In addition, fires were kept lit all night, and strings of metal objects like cans and other cookware were set up, hopefully to scare away the lions. If these lions aren't afraid to go into the center of a camp when they know someone's watching them, they're not going to be afraid of some cans on a string. Well, dumbasses. Can you ever just listen into the story? I'm listening to the story and it's pissing me off. Keep going. However, despite the precautions, the attacks continued. The lions would slip into the camp, drag their prey past the fences or over them as if they didn't exist. They were ghosts killing by night and losing their tracks by day. Despite all the precautions and all of the people who were armed, no one was able to even wound one of them. Did they see them? They did. They would see them, but there really wasn't much they could do about it. They moved fast, they attacked quick, and before everyone could be riled, they were gone. So they, so they saw them. They saw them doing these things. And I'm assuming because they're smart lions that they didn't, you know, do things in a pattern. No, they would never attack the same place twice. You've got to be kidding me. And remember, there were so many people spread out. It was pretty easy pickings for the lions. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Uh, so I was thinking the camp was a lot smaller. And then you said there's like 10,000 people spread over eight miles. Like, OK, yeah, that's that's kind of impossible to protect all of those people. Yeah, they had maybe at most like 10, 12 rifles. So, okay, well, that was they should have equipped them with some more. Just, you know, as soon as this d did Johnny Boyd like tell anybody that this was going on? Yes, uh, we'll get into that a little later. Okay. It was at this point that uh, rumors started going around the camp that the lions weren't actually lions at all, but they were either evil spirits or medicine men who were angered by the presence of foreigners. It was this where they got the name The Ghost in the Darkness. Oh. <sighs> And a pretty badass name. That's very clever. Now, the only reason that most of the workers didn't basically just throw their hands up and leave the job was simply because of the odds. Now, these lions were attacking sporadically, and they'd carry off about one person a night. And there were 10,000 workers. 
Yeah, so it was like the likelihood of it being you. Yeah, so it was the odds alone that gave anybody comfort. Now, there's a lot of kind of famous incidents, and we're going to get into them. Uh, Just for the record, these are kind of in a rough order. Most of the uh, sources I found didn't give an exact timeline when these stories happened, but these have all been recounted. That's okay. You weren't there. Yeah, that's fine. You weren't there. We don't know. It's fine. (laughs) One of the famous incidents during the day, it was noted that there were lion prints starting to appear around the camp hospital. What? No. Fearing that the lions were scouting an attack, Patterson ordered the patients to be moved across the camp to a temporary tent hospital. That night, Patterson and another uh, British foreman or officer filled the old hospital with blood to attract the lions. That's smart. I will give it, I will give it to them. That's very smart. That night, Patterson and the others sat quietly in the old hospital in this smell of blood, waiting for the sound of the lions. Finally, he heard them. But his blood ran cold when he heard the distant roar of the lions and a mix of screams from helpless hospital patients. Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. The lions followed patients. JP. What? What? Why? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> JP. <laughs> okay, so you know what? You know what happened? So the lions were probably watching, okay? They were watching. And then they saw them move everybody. And those fucking lions literally at night, probably on two feet because they're skinwalkers, walked past the <laughs> camp, just held up a middle finger. God, and I just got that kept Jeff walking. Bezos song in my head of like the lions walking through the middle of the tent to be like, amateurs can fucking suck it. <laughs> yes! Fuck their wives, drink their blood. Okay, we're talking about people being murdered by, by mauled by lions. Yeah, this is not funny. This is not so, funny at all. But I mean, uh, but I'm t- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they watched it and they like became Tony the Tiger and just walked by the new the old hospital, you, just flipping them off with their paws, Allie, and then got back down onto all fours and were like, "All right, to the new hospital, dudes, let's go." Okay, well, so yes, <laughs> that's kind of ironic because I have next in my notes that the lions flipped off. Oh yeah, no. Oh, so how did I know that was in your notes? <laughs> yeah, this is the downside, everyone, of having a sister who knows you very well after many years of living together. There is no downside. Right. Okay, so... I'm amazing. Now, these attacks didn't come without a few humorous moments. Well, yeah, again, um, <laughs> do, do you need me to retell no, no, my theory? <laughs> so one of the incidents that made a lot of the workers kind of laugh was uh, one night, the tent of workers awoke to the sound of the lion as it burst through the tent, and it proceeded to attack a bag of rice <laughs> and then dragged it off into the night. Did it get confused? Yeah, it confused them. It confused the bag of rice. Oh, you know, you know what, you know what was going on. Okay. So here, here's what happened. All right. So, so the lions probably attacked recently or they had just finished um, cutting up their dinner, putting it in a freezer and they were thawing it out and they th- they were, you know, hanging out like, oh, listen, Jim, you know, it'd be really good with this uh, human thigh would be some rice. Uh, we should go and go to, go to the store. Yes, and get because some- in addition, these lions could also <laughs> boil rice. Uh, yeah. Okay. They're smart enough to flip off somebody while they're walking past that an was, old hospital that they that tried to get confirmed. tricked with. So, yeah, they can definitely boil some rice. Oh, God. Uh, what do you mean? It was Allie, totally that's your head cannon. No, that's my head cannon. It's right. 99.8% okay. of the time. Well, so that also happened. And obviously the lions were heard roaring in frustration. So that kind of made everybody laugh a little bit. Well, yeah, because they probably couldn't get the stove burner on because they don't have. Sure. Thumbs. Yes. 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 That was it. That was it. <laughs> like, no other I get issue. It. Now, uh, one of the other ones, too, <laughs> there was a merchant traveling to the camps to sell you know goods to the workers yes sell his wares yes. and uh he was attacked by one of the lions on his way to the camp 
What the fuck? Yep, in, in daytime, broad daylight, in broad they jumped daylight? out from the gra- from the tall grass on the side of the trail, and just jumped at him and his pack mule. But what was interesting was that as it attacked his mule, it got caught up in the mesh that was holding all of his uh, metal cooking ware, and the pots and pans they started clanging together, and the line <laughs> immediately bolted, basically like a common house cat. That's where they got the pots and pans. Yep. So fun fact, everybody, <laughs> banging pots and pans not only works on your cat, it also works on man-eating lions. But again, my theory, because of the stories that you're telling, my theory is still pretty Oh, accurate, yeah. That's why I told okay? you to wait so I could get to this exact point where somebody <laughs> clanged metal pans together and scared off a man-eating lion. And understand that, like, I and I know that these are real lions. Okay, like, I, in my mind, I'm aware these are real lions. But please know that I am literally picturing like animated lions that emote and like, like basically the Lion King, well, but with I attitude. Expect nothing okay, less. like that's what I'm picturing in my head. Only the last African-based film you've seen was The Lion King, so I'd expect nothing less from you. Yeah, yeah, it's probably true, actually. Last one I actually saw was, well, probably The Lion King 2, but I've seen... Dude, The Lion King 2 has some bops. Yeah. It's like it's up there for it's got best some bops, sequels, man. which, I mean, let's be real here for Disney. That's a pretty low bar. Yeah. Well, listen, The Little Mermaid 2, fire. Beauty and the Beast, Bells Enchanted Christmas, fire. Amazing. That's because for whatever reason, our family never bought the actual original films. We only bought the sequels. No. Yeah, we for some reason got like the Aldi version of like a Disney childhood. Do you know why that was probably? Yeah, because our parents are cheapskates, but I love them dearly. <laughs> well, I, they're I wasn't right. going to say that. Your um, words, not mine. <laughs> no, we've had conversations about this because again, like no one else has seen Cats Don't Dance, but it is our like that it, that created our childhood. Like that is our childhood. No, I've actually heard that one was pretty nostalgic. See, I heard it was either all dogs go to heaven or cats don't dance, but we've had this conversation on here before. Yeah, we weren't the only one. And ones. every time I bring it up to my friends, it's oh yeah, all dogs go to heaven was amazing. And I was like, uh, cats don't well, dance anyway, is better. Back to cats that do not dance. Well technically they do and they're very good at it because there's literally like a tango happening between Patterson and these lions and the lions are clearly leading. Okay. Dancing with the stars, more like dancing with the ghost in the darkness. Well, all right, that's <laughs> going to be a new one. We just t- we just tied all that back together, so I'm really proud of us. NBC hit us up. So by April, progress had slowed dramatically for construction over the River Salvo, which, by the way, again, well, no, by the way, that was the whole point that Patterson was there. Yeah, I kind of forgot why he was. I know there. it kind of. Hap- I think he did too. But, I mean, first of all, you got to think the stress this guy's under. Like, he's still got to get this. He's, like, working as an engineer and, you know, head of this project by day. And then he has to go and hunt these lions by night. And, obviously, all the laborers are coming at him. Like, what the hell, man? We're dying here by lions. Like, are you going to do something? Team no sleep, man. What? Yeah. <laughs> Team no sleep. He's on team no sleep. He He's not sleeping. He's probably drinking more coffee than you. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Also causing further delays was that most of the coolies really didn't have the masonry skills to help with like building the bridge. So that caused a lot of delays without the experienced workers. So this is a situation where um, you may not want to lie on your resume or you may actually want to read the person's cover letter, but continue. Yeah, and by this point... I'm assuming they didn't apply with a resume. No, it was kind of more of just a who's willing to go to Africa. Who's willing to go to Africa and get slaughtered? They left that bit out. Wait, why are you raising your hand? Oh, because, I mean, I don't know. I'm a millennial living Jesus in my parents' Christ. house. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so by this point, the camp was split. So there was a larger camp, 8,000, who were working on setting the rail line. And then there was a smaller camp further up at the river who were constructing the bridge. So just so you understand. And how many? Because we started with 10,000. There are 8,000 in the two, camp. And then... two, three thousand, 3,000, depending on how... There wasn't a great record as people came and went as far as laborers go, so. Oh, yeah, people are, okay, continue. The main idea is that there's a big larger camp that's a few miles behind setting rail and a smaller camp where Patterson is at the bridge. Now, Patterson was, you know, basically kind of at wit's end trying to manage these things. And there was one event where Patterson finally got a reprieval. So after several 
tries at luring them out. He tried to use a goat in which he and another British officer laid in essentially what was like a coffin with their rifles pointing at the goat, hoping to shoot the lions whenever they appeared. So they laid in a coffin with a goat hanging out near them to try to bring these lions in. Well, it was more like a cart that had been covered. And it was funny because even Patterson had admitted that in an attempt to lure them out, he had inadvertently made him and the other officer bait themselves. Yeah, because they were laying in a coffin and these lions are psychopaths. So eventually one of the lions did show up and Patterson and the officer both fired their guns and one of the officers or the other officer thought that he managed to hit one of the lions. Now, despite the fact that, you know, firing a gun in a closed space causes major ear damage, Patterson still... Oh, wait, they were inside? Yeah, they're inside the cart that was covered because, you know, you want to be out... I yeah, missed that part. Well, I sorry, I thought it was implied because, you know, you wouldn't want to be out in the open near these lions that were hunting people. Listen, the stupidity of man. Sometimes you just don't question it. You just roll with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh... So, also, can I just say, I think that Dwight Schrute would do a really, really great job being the assistant to the assistant to the lieutenant, <laughs> because I think that he could handle this situation really well. Like, I was just thinking about that as you're talking. I'm like, Dwight Schrute would literally be perfect for this job, because for some reason, he would have a vast knowledge on what to do in this situation. Tell me. I wrong. honestly can't because I don't know the office as well as you do. You basically worship it. Anyone who listens who knows The Office, I promise you Dwight Schrute would have those lions. They'd be gone in jiffy, especially if he thought Michael Scott was going to be in danger. But okay. anyway, keep going. So after the event, the lion attacks stopped. And for two months, nothing really happened. So they got two months of sleep, basically. They're catching Yeah, up many of the sleep. workers you know, began to kind of relax a bit, began to sleep outside again. And some had even claimed that uh, Patterson, the officer, had possibly killed one of the lions. But Patterson knew the reality. They were lying in wait. Well, you remember how I told you that Patterson, despite you know suffering hearing damage because he fired a gun inside an enclosed space, he still could tell the sound of a bullet hitting flesh or the sound of a wounded animal, which he didn't hear. He knew that they didn't hit the lions. Worse still, he received a few reports from the larger camp and a local village where there were several disappearances during the night. He knew sooner or later the lions would return. What the fuck? What? There was a village around there too? Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, there were still, you know, the general African population because, you know, obviously the Africans weren't thrilled about the British being there. Uh, they just, yeah, they just weren't helping with the project. But there was still locals. Yeah, no one, no one's ever thrilled about the British being there. But like, I don't know, British mania. We we were pretty psyched when the Beatles showed up. Touche, uh, but like, yeah, El and yeah. Elton John's pretty awesome. Uh, okay, but and the Spice Girls. Oh, and one okay, direction. Britain. Um, <laughs> just keep exporting your music. We love that. Yeah, yeah, we're good with the music. And don't say and don't claim that you're exporting your tea. We all know where that shit came from. Ooh, and Jamie Dodgers and Doctor Who. I okay. claim those as well. Any okay. So hold on. So d prior to the lions attacking the railroad railroad workers, did they ever attack the village or were the lions like just going after the railroad workers? Because did the village know? I had found some sources that possibly claimed that the lions had attacked some of the villagers. Uh, it's a little bit conflicting as to whether they did or they didn't, or that the villagers who were more experienced at handling lions knew how to better protect themselves compared to the coolies and the British who were not as experienced. And to your theory about them being like a medicine man. That was or, not my theory, know, they, but what? go ahead. Okay. Well, one of the theories that you stated, if they were medicine men, um, you know, like we... <sighs> talked about it at some point skinwalkers but like if they had become that yeah spoiler alert to one of our episodes what they deserve a spoiler alert but like that could legitimately mean like they came from the village 
and we're specifically going after like, quote unquote, the invaders or, you know, people that were not welcome on their land. And then when they were getting harmed, they're like, okay, we're going to shift. Or maybe they just kind of like got too into their, um, I guess, new form to the point where maybe they forgot they were from. I don't know. I'm going on like a tangent here of what these things could be, but like, holy crap, JP. As far as I know, skinwalkers aren't much of a thing here. It's not skinwalkers. Well, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that they are. They're not. But it's like the similar thing. And continue. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I digress. Now, two months later, on a hot July evening, the peace of the night was shattered by the low growl and the cries for help. One lion was dragging a poor worker across the camp, looking for a way out, but surprisingly, couldn't find a good way through the boa fence. Despite the risk, fellow workers and laborers came out of their tents and began to hurl rocks and torches at the beast. Tragically, though, the lion did find a spot, dragged the man through the boma fence, through the thorns, and the workers were left there, having to stand silently, listening to the lions consume the man within earshot. Several of the foremen attempted to try and shoot the lions, who were so close, but because of the darkness, they couldn't tell exactly where they were. No blood was found. The lions made off without ever being hit. JP. JP, why? JP, why? JP. I feel like I have brought some really like fucked up stories to you before, but this completely oh, takes it gets better. Uh, at- or worse. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, we did this exact same thing earlier. No, impossible. Okay. Following this attack, Patterson contacted his superiors in Mombasa, and in response, they sent a Mr. Whitehead, who was a much more seasoned tracker and hunter, with several native warriors to finally put an end to the lion issue. True to form, Mr. Whitehead was attacked by the lions before even making it to Colonel Patterson. So, Of course, because the lions knew. Because somehow the lions knew. I promise you they knew. They were getting pretty bold now. Oh, they were bold before. With the help of Mr. Whitehead and the warriors, Colonel Patterson managed to track the lions down. But as they approached the lions, they somehow managed to avoid the hunting party and instead grabbed one of Mr. Whitehead's servants and dragged him into the bush. So wait, back up for a sec. So Whitehead survived the attack. Yes, he survived the attack. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I just want to make sure. Okay, so then, so he survived the attack, they get to the camp, and then everybody goes out like a hunting party. Yep. And then the lions are like, you get to live for now. You, on the other hand, come with us. Yep, they're pretty much... To a pride rock. Okay, well, that's a little freaky. Actually, they probably don't live on pride rock. Where's the other? Uh, The elephant come to us to the elephant graveyard. That was the other place, right? Well, we'll get to where one of the suspected dens were for the lion. Lions. If it's called Pride Rock, I'm hanging up this fucking <laughs> Zoom call, dude. Keep no, going. <laughs> so at this point, you can tell this is again a pretty ridiculous story, but this next one really takes a case. We passed ridiculous like 30 minutes oh, ago, JP. Oh, you naive <laughs> child. So at this Shh. point, Colonel Patterson devised a potential trap and actually managed to put it into play now this trap was a boxcar and the plan was that one side of the boxcar or one end of it would be open with a steel kind of cage of like chain and wood that would act as a door and the idea was that they would bait the boxcar and the lion would walk up into the car tripping a wire and then the door the chain door would fall behind the lion inside the boxcar there was uh, metal poles that ran like floor through the floor and through the ceiling separating it off into like a two-thirds section for the lion and a one-third section for several men at least three armed with rifles so what freaking animated movies did this dude watch to come up with this trap this is like literally out of some 
I don't know, early 90s animated, like, let's capture the lion type of shit here. What? Yep, JP? This was actually something they tried. Oh, my so, God. So they had. Tried being the key word. Just, now, they <laughs> put it out and Patterson baited it. And for three nights, nothing happened. Most people didn't think the lions were going to fall for it. Then, one evening, as three men sat, possibly falling asleep in the middle of the night, were awoken to a loud crash of the door. As they looked through the darkness of the torchlight, they could see the glowing eyes of one of the lions. Before they could even get to their feet, the lion began to do something unusual. It began to run from end to end of the boxcar and began banging into the bars where the men were hiding and began roaring aggressively and fiercely. It was bouncing everywhere. This thing was going nuts and the men were starting to shoot. They were firing, trying to hit this lion, but somehow they missed every single time and instead hit one of the latches for the door breaking the trap door and the lion ran out of the trap literally five feet from the lion three men opening fire could not hit this thing and instead hit the door keeping it in the trap and it escaped unharmed what no what what jp what 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 what? Yes. No. Yes. No. How? It, I, I don't know. This is too stupid magic. to make up. That's it. Magic. Like, there's actual documentation. This happened. What the... JP, what? Like, what on earth? I don't know. What on earth? What the... They missed... They yes. missed a lion. A boxcar... A boxcar is big, but no, it's, it's not, not that big. And these lions were quite large. With a lion in it. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. I told you. It got nuts. No. So by this point, you know, you wouldn't blame anyone in the camp for thinking these lions were unnatural or supernatural because... I'm telling you, yeah, there's something yeah. up with them. I mean, I thought that when they were walking past the old hospital flipping <laughs> off uh, Jefferson or Johnson or whatever his Patterson. name is. Patterson. Good God. Um, <laughs> Jefferson. Okay. Now, several weeks later, Patterson and the party of hunters also managed to track down the lions again. This time... The warriors were beating the bush, trying to drive the lions towards Patterson and Whitehead. Sweating in the summer heat, Patterson once again found himself face to face with one of the lions. This time, it was only 15 yards away. He raised his rifle. Click. Rifle jammed. What? This is infuriating. Excitement turned to terror as now unarmed this lion began to approach Patterson, ready to pounce. Maybe even angry. But then he stuck his hand out and said, you are Jesus a worthy Christ, opponent. <laughs> I had a whole thing here. I was going, and okay. you, just, you just ruined it. I know. Keep now, going. Before the lion could even leap at Patterson, the approaching warriors managed to scare it off. Another night later, Patterson again found himself alone in a tree. Like so many times before, sitting alone in the stillness of the African bush, likely thinking about the countless attempts that he had to end one of these beasts, whether it was a misfire, whether it was, you know, guns, it was uh, the hospital, whether it was hearing them so close that they could hear the breath of these lions, but just never getting that chance. You know, it's thinking that, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. He's interrupted by a low growl. One of the lions is just below him. Patterson, by this point, was seasoned enough to know that once he tried to move, that lion would see him and would try and leap for him. He slowly turned, raised his rifle, and fired two shots. The lion roared in agony. He hit. Oh my god! The lion ran off into the night. It was wounded, but its roars could tell you from all around it was still alive. But the workers cheered because for once, 
the lion was on the run. Now, at first light, Patterson set off with the team tracking down the beast. This time, it was much easier because of all the blood. And this trail ended in the remains of one large male Salva lion. One down. Ten days would go by before they would hear from the other lion. This time, the camp inspector reported lion prints outside his tent. He claimed that during the night, he had mistaken the sounds for a worker who might have been walking or sneaking around at night. The inspector claimed he almost went out to discipline him, but due to exhaustion, he just let it go. Instead, the lion made off with half a goat, perhaps being a little bit more cautious after the loss of his partner. Now, this gave Patterson an idea. He decided that he was going to construct a tall four-pole hunting stand that he would lay on, and beneath it, he would put a goat at the base as bait. Now, that night, despite exhaustion and a fever that had come on from all the stress, Patterson laid out in wait and ready. This time, the lion approached. Patterson again got two shots off one of them hitting the second lion. But in the morning, his excitement diminished. There wasn't a lot of blood. The ghost was wounded, but it was not going to die easily. Another 10 days would go by before the second lion was seen again. This time, when Patterson set up the same stand again, it was a full moon, bright stars, and he could see much better. He could see further off as the lion was approaching from the bush. But the lion didn't know that Patterson could see it that far away, figuring how it went the last time. Patterson leveled his rifle and fired. The next morning, Patterson claimed that he tracked the beast and found it still alive and wounded in a bush. What the? It jumped out and tried to attack him. He unloaded another two shots into the lion. But despite suffering multiple gunshots, this lion refused to fall. Terrified, Patterson reached for his second rifle. But the young coolie, who had been his companion throughout all of this event, was nowhere to be found. His team had run up a nearby tree. Patterson barely made it to the tree, climbing up, avoiding the lion, who at this point had just thrown all regards of safety to the wind and was clawing up the tree with two wounded legs, trying to get at these men. As he got closer and closer, hell-bent on reaching them, Patterson managed to retrieve his second rifle, and he fired. In an instant, the nine months of terror of the ghost in the darkness we're over. JP, dude, I was on the edge of my seat that whole now, last bit. Holy shit. Now we'll get into some of the JP. after work. But first, one thing I do want to point out is that a lot of the information that we have of the story of the ghost in the darkness comes from what was recounted by Colonel James Patterson. So it's entirely possible that a lot of these events were embellished or, you know, maybe added for a little bit of flair to you know, make himself look good. Well, the way you told it, there was quite a bit of flair, so. Yeah, so there's a lot of speculation. Also, let me just tell you that the whole time you were telling the story, I kept thinking about how when Prince Harry met Meghan Merkel for the first time, like, they went on a date to Africa to, and, like, went on, like, a safari, and that was all I was thinking about. All of that was... All of that. Well, that okay. and the whole story. Thank but you. Like, I was yeah. about to say yeah. all of that, and you were just like, oh, yeah. my Obviously God, Harry and Megan, story. were they okay? Yeah. yeah, no shit, they were okay. No, my thought process was more, it would have been really interesting if this happened to them, because I feel like it would have been a better uh, Lifetime movie. <sighs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you want to make this a Lifetime movie? Well, there's a, there's a sequel. No. Co- no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, actually, no. I do. No. Well, no, this is no. more like a horror movie. The story is too good. To be made into a lifetime movie. Yeah, this is too, this is way too good for a lifetime movie. This I is like I will defend this shit like the Alamo to keep it from becoming a lifetime movie. Well, actually, I don't have to. You know, Netflix has been putting out some good stuff, so like we could give it to That's Netflix. True. So, yeah, 
Okay, so keep going. Now, following this nine month of terror, Patterson would keep hold of the pelts of these lions. As he should. I don't agree with that, but like in this situation, that's fine. You get a pass. You get a pass, Jefferson. His name's... (laughs) What? Do you even know who I'm talking about? What? Yes. Yeah, Patterson. Now, Patterson would keep the pelts and time of death. The lions measured approximately 10 feet long from snout to tail. That's too big. And they weighed between 350 to 400 pounds. Too big. One thing to kind of note, and maybe this might, I should have clarified this at the beginning. Salvo male lions don't look like normal male lions. What do they look like? Well, they look kind of maybe a bit grayer, but they also have no mane. So it's Scar. Well, no, Scar had a mane. Like think. He had, well, he had a little mane. Think about how, like, female lions, you know, they don't have a mane. Think like that, but it's very, like, sparse. And the idea of that was, I've heard two reasons reasons for it. One was... What, what? the... F- I'm looking at a picture. What the... F- yeah, they didn't have what? manes. No. Holy crap. Patterson would also claim that at least 135 individuals were killed by these lions. And that it was even possibly higher. Oh, my God. One thing to note, he kept the hides for a couple of decades and then eventually donated them to the Chicago Field Museum, where they currently reside in a permanent exhibit today. We should go see him. I actually have. Oh. Yes, I have. You have? When did you go see him? Yeah, I saw him with a friend uh, over fall break when I was at Purdue. Nice. And Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you would be close there, so that makes sense. It was hilarious because I had remembered this story as a kid. And I was like, oh, my God, are there, like, the lions there? And my friend was like, yeah, um, yeah, there's, like, a pair of lions. And I told her the story. It's a pair and, of lions. Well, I mean, you know, for most kids, like, you go up, you don't really read the captions. Or, like. Yeah. Yeah, no, if you're in a museum, you don't read the, you don't read And here's the thing that, like, you know, I was doing the research. I thought this was, like, why I absolutely love doing these kinds of history stories is because you got to think like how many people walk through that section of the exhibit and they just casually see two pairs of lions. They're just lying around. Oh my God. You are unbelievable. Uh, I was waiting to do that. I was waiting to do that one. Look, look at my face. Look at my face. I was only waiting like three minutes, but why, why would you do that? That is worse than anything. These lions did. (laughs) No, because you walked right into it. As I was saying, the thing that I love is just like, you got to think how many people walk by these things and don't even realize that they're staring down essentially what countless men saw right before they died. Yeah. That's like my friend told wow. me she has seen those lines so many times, but she never knew all of those details of the story and just how batshit insane that was. I hope you told it with the same oh, enthusiasm yeah. that you told it with today because, okay, you like sat her down and were like, and the lions crept past the hospital and they were flipping <laughs> off Jefferson. Uh, Tony the Tiger style. I, I might have left that bit out. <laughs> well, that's really yeah, the best so bit. <laughs> in 1989, uh, the Chicago Field Museum did an isotopic study of the lion skulls. And they concluded that only 35 people were eaten by the lions. That's a pretty big difference in number. But this number is still pretty hotly debated today. A couple of people point out the idea that the count done by the Field Museum was by a whole people eaten by the lions. And they could only count for the last three months of the lions' lives. Now, in Patterson's book, he recounted that the lions were rather picky about what they ate and often left most of the remains or most of the victims intact. So they just liked one part of the person. Yeah. And this was why he recount that uh, he didn't try a poisoning meat or a poisoning method because they were so picky. It was a very inconsistent way. Well, just in case anyone was wondering why he didn't try, you know, putting poison in a meat and then leaving it out for the lions to eat. That's why he didn't do it. Just, just out of curiosity, like, was there any consistency with the people that they were taking? Like, I understand it was the workers, but, like, any consistency, like, 
No, they didn't really keep specific records of like height, weight, um, size of the workers. And I mean, they're all laborers, male laborers from India. So yeah, apart from those details, nothing was really kept on the victims. Wow. Yeah. The other thing too is, uh, Obviously, it's unusual that these were man-eaters, but even more that they were two male lions working together. Now, their feats and abilities clearly show that these were not wounded males who were unable to hunt their natural prey. And so one of the ideas was maybe that the lions were, um, their resources were, you know, too scarce or there wasn't like a whole lot of natural life around. So they uh, turn to humans because of their, um, you know, as an alternate food source. But the problem is that, according to the study done by the Field Museum, in, in the last three months of the lions' lives, humans only made up 30% of what they eat or what they ate. The other 70. So they were still yeah, eating other Yeah, the other, other 70 things. made up their normal diet. So they were literally just hunting for sport. That was one of the theories. Uh, the other one is that. Remember how I said at the very beginning that the railroad followed an old slave caravan route used by Arab traders? Oh, so no. one of the theories was that uh, the Arab traders would often, if any slaves were injured or became sick en route, they would just leave them by the side of the road. Oh. And the idea was that the lions in this region had started to grow accustomed to the idea of people being a potential food source uh, oh no oh my god that just got so much yeah. worse oh no yeah now again it's not no one exactly knows for sure what you know drove these lines to do it a lot of this is just speculation at this point i mean whatever reason the lions of salvo pretty much remain one of the most fascinating tales from like british colonial yeah that was riveting holy crap yeah and i mean it's one of those things where again you take it with a grain of salt because most of this comes from one man's recounting but i strongly recommend if you do find yourself in chicago check out the field museum and uh, first of all it's obviously a beautiful museum and one of the best in the u.s but yeah you can go yeah. and see the lion I've never been, so I can't speak it's, to that. It's pretty cool. I got to see uh, the Terracotta Warriors there. That was awesome. Oh, that's oh, yeah. cool. And um, yeah, you can see the lions for yourself still on display. Though I will say, due to the hides being poorly maintained, they do appear smaller today than they actually were. Uh, that's, that's fair. I mean, this happened in the 1800s, so that's, yeah, they're, they're yeah. old. And I think one of the things, too, I love about this is it's almost like it kind of almost feels like um, in uh, Avatar where, you know, all the animals like attack. And I'm talking about like the blue James Cameron Avatar. Oh, I was about to say it because I'm rewatching The Last Airbender just for shits and gigs. So I was trying to th I was like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking. Nope, yeah, not the good wrong one. one. Uh, OK, the <laughs> they're both good. Fair. Well, yeah. OK, so James yeah. Cameron, Avatar. you know, like when all the animals start attacking the soldiers it kind of almost yes. feels like that in a way where it's like almost like nature itself fighting back against the modern encroachment of the modern world. Yeah. Which I'm like totally well, here I mean, for. yes, but I'm, some of the, Just yeah, maybe not, not in this way. In, no, actually in this, this way is fine. That is the story of <laughs> well, that's the ghost why I, in the that's, darkness. Hey, um, holy crap. Holy crap. I was not expecting that. Like, I remember you bringing this up to me that you wanted to do this story when you were visiting uh, State College, like back when I lived there. And I remember walking through the park and we were talking about it. And you're like, do you know anything about these lions? And I was like, no, I have no clue what you're talking about. And you even told me about going to visit them at the museum. And you're like, are you sure you don't know anything? And I'm like, no, dude, I have no clue. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting that. Like, holy oh crap, God, yeah. It is. Holy crap. It is a wild story. And also, I do recommend, it's, you know, it's a pretty good film, but there is a movie about this uh, starring Val Kilmer. Oh. It was made in the, I think the 90s. Oh, so it's, you yeah, know it's good. And it was, um, yeah, and it was called The Ghost in the Darkness. And I did watch it kind of on YouTube-ish and it, it was pretty fun. They do take a few liberties with things, but 
I mean, it it was still a lot of fun. I gotta say, the soundtrack for it slaps. Like it was so good. It's the song Africa by no, Toto but it really makes well, you then look... it doesn't slap because uh, <laughs> that song well, slaps. That's the song's slap out, but this like it just Touché. really gets you in that vibe of like you would want to travel to Africa listening to this kind of music, which I still do. Peace Corps. I you will. You will. You'll get there, dude. But I was going to say, but until then, let's keep these scary stories going. That's what we're going to do. We're going to keep giving you guys some scary stories. We've got some really fun stuff coming up this season, but we also want to hear from you. So send us an email at spookyupodcast at gmail.com. I do check the email often uh, (laughs) because I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, send us a G- send us a Gmail, a little chatteroonie. Uh, you can also like tweet us at and Instagram us at Spooky Podcast. So comment on things because I'm going to start posting again soon. Um, yeah, yeah how, I know. I have, have to post in order that? to get interaction. So uh, how have you been doing <laughs> on that? You don't have the password. <laughs> um, but yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear if there's anything that you guys are interested in hearing uh, that we can do some research on. So, uh, you know, reach out to us. Um, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, follow us. Subscribe on Spotify. You know, all the, all the podcast stuff. Just do all that. and uh, All the stuff that will help yeah, us, Yeah, just please. help us because we're desperate. Okay. Until then. <laughs> Until then, guys. Um, Hey, man, just, I don't know. Happy spooky season. Watch the grass. Class dismissed.